at first they all thought we were crazy. Okay, like thought we were crazy. Like you're selling this, that, like what is happening? And then when they started to come to our new home and they saw that I was happier and doing what I wanted to do, everyone's like, all right, tell me how you did this. Like, and it, like people saw it as a viable option, not as a failure option. I really do think that there is this like this societal norm that like if you take that off ramp to maybe even take a salary cut or to, you know, have a smaller home or whatever it may be, it's not a failure. Hey there, I'm Renee, a self-proclaimed shopaholic turned minimalist. In just three years, my family and I downsized our house, paid off debt, and I learned to make passive income online so I could work anytime, anywhere. We did all of this in pursuit of a life of more freedom, flexibility, and fun. And the crazy part is, the more I detached from my stuff, the more I was able to let go of pesky habits like people-pleasing, saying yes to everyone, and being who I thought I was supposed to be rather than showing up authentically as who I am. That's why I want you to see the Unstuffed podcast not as a place for all things decluttering and organizing, but rather as a place where together we can unload it all. From donating those pants that no longer fit to bidding adieu to those relationships that have run their course, I want you to see our time together as a time where you can unwind, let go, come as you are, and there is no need to apologize for the mess. So let's shed some layers, drop some dead weight, and start living a little less stuffed. Welcome to the Unstuffed Podcast. Hey there, it's me, Renee. Welcome back to the Unstuffed Podcast. This is quite possibly one of my favorite sit-down podcast interviews that I have gotten to do in a long time because When I sat down with today's guest, Julie Ciardi, I was not only excited to talk about all things mindset. I love diving into our mindset and our beliefs. This is something I have worked so hard at over the last few years um, and then learned to not work so hard at because I realized I was working so hard, I was working against myself, but that's neither here nor there. What really got me so excited to sit down and talk to Julie today was that she and I have one major thing in common that we both had bigger dreams for our lives and we realized we needed to get rid of our houses in order to make those dreams happen. So listen in to today's chat where Julie shares with us how she felt brave enough to leave her amazing corporate job, sell and downsize their house and work toward building the business of her dreams even when her husband kind of started to lose a little bit of faith. I think this is something that all of us women can relate to. Anyone who feels like they're at a job that's just not quite aligned with who they want to be. And anyone who has second-guessed themselves because they have a spouse that maybe isn't in full support of their dream. This is a podcast you're not going to want to miss. Well, hi, Julie. Hey, Renee, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for joining us here. I'm so excited to be able to dive into this conversation with you. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know or hasn't heard about you yet, do you want to give us a little breakdown about who you are and what you do? 
Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Julie Ciardi. I am a certified mindset uh, and marketing coach for women. So I really help women, especially my my heart is with women that are just starting their businesses. Um, because I know I think that's the hardest time is when we're just starting. And so much of it is it, it is about our mindset going into starting something we've never done before. And so I absolutely love to help women uh, with their businesses. But what I think is really interesting, and I know we're going to get into it, is that I didn't always do that. I didn't always have a business. My business is now five years old. Um, this actually this summer, five years old, and my podcast is five years old. So it's been you know a lot of exciting things that have happened in the last five years. But the twenty years prior to that. I, you know, was in corporate. I was a vice president of marketing at IBM, had a very, very successful career uh, in at IBM and, and before that at a couple of smaller companies before that, but I wasn't happy. And I know we're going to really get into that. And so the business that I've created now really came from starting to ask myself some really hard questions and take some really bold moves to now have the life that I have now. Because the the business that I have now, I have three children. I had all three children while I was still at IBM. And I can tell you that in the last five years, I've been able to have a wildly different relationship with my kids. One is in college, one is about to go to college, and then I have one that's only nine. So he's um, he's still got a ways to go. But they've seen me, especially the older two, when I was in the corporate career, they've seen me now, you know, building my own business. And they, the thing that the, both of the older two would say, hands down, is you're so much happier. And I think it's also given them the green light that it doesn't have to look a certain way. And so I'm excited to dive into the story because while I love the business that I have and I love what I'm doing and I have so much flexibility, which is everything, the the decision-making that went into and the kind of the, the, the risks and all the things that went into making this, what I do now happen, I really hope can be inspiring for your listeners. I'm already inspired. So let's, we can just close up and just keep going. This, that's so amazing. Uh, I love hearing that so much because, you know, there is so much talk. I think a lot of times people are more and more understanding them as moms. It's so good to show our children, uh, you know, that we have our own lives and that we're capable. But I think a lot of times people can easily fall into doing that, um, sacrificing their happiness and the connection with their kids. Uh, so can I ask what was the first little inkling that you had where you were like, something's got to change. I can't keep doing this. Renee, it's like, it's, I really believe that your soul is always talking to you. Okay. And we just are very conditioned minds conditioned by society and our upbringing and all the things like cloud our being able to hear our soul. And I just chuckle because the first, the inkling, the soul tugging happened so early on. I was pregnant with my oldest child. She's turning, she's turning 20 in September. So I had only been in IBM for a, a little bit and I knew I'm like, this isn't really what I want to do, but I always was like, I don't really know what I want to do. And I had that kind of very traditional, like, 
overachiever, you know, went, did really well in college and then went and got my MBA. And then it was like, the whole idea was, you know, get a good job and do as well as you can, you know, in that career. And honestly, even 20 years ago, it was so wildly different what was available, right? Or even what was possible. So like social media, as we know it, didn't exist 20 years ago. I mean, what I when I tell you that I started to look at entrepreneurship 20 years ago, I went on entrepreneur.com and there was no podcast. There was none of that. None of that existed. And what I got in the mail was a five inch binder from Entrepreneur Magazine, because all entrepreneur.com was back then was just a website, right? Because that's all they were. They were just like, just webs, like static websites. And you could put in and get an order. And I had a five inch binder about how to become an entrepreneur. But even then it was like, you know, there was no online businesses. They didn't really exist then. So just where we've come in in a relatively short period of time in terms of the opportunity is, is incredible. But for me back then, I was like, what, what am I going to do? But it was, it was always tugging at me. So I can remember I was pregnant with Caroline. She's again, turning 20. And I was on the phone with a, um, the vice president of franchising for this floral company. Like they had like all these beautiful flower shops. I, I remember falling in love with this particular flower shop when I was in Boston. And I'm like, I got to open one here in New York. And so when I tell you the bug was there for decades and I had did a few calls like that where I was looking at franchises, but like there really wasn't a lot of other opportunities and it was high capital, big investment. I just, I was very young. I was like, ah, you know, and it just, the risk was, it seemed too much. I'm going to go back into climbing the rat race, you know, within IBM. And that went on like the back and forth, right? In my mind, I'm like, I know this isn't really where I want to be, but I'm making really good money. And that overachieving self would still be like, all right, well, I still want the promotions and I still want to grow in this career. And that kind of just went on for literally like about 15 years. Now, the fascinating thing is, is that I really, I, I think the biggest thing that was holding me back to be honest, though, especially as time continued to go on, was something that I call the um, income lifestyle trap. So of course, in those years, in those 15 years, I you know had two children, actually three children by that point. So I had three children in those 15 years. I became a vice president um, at IBM by age 39, uh, executive uh, even before then. I was making really great money. And my husband, uh, we've retired him now, but he was a police officer. And so I was the primary breadwinner. And so, you know, we had this big, beautiful home, you know, in an expensive state like New York. And we went on beautiful vacations and we didn't want for anything, right? So we had this lifestyle that like from a society standpoint, like it was kind of hitting all the should boxes, right? I was not happy. I was not happy at all. And it came out that the ripple effect of not being happy, especially I think as a mom, not being happy. I would have, I definitely would pride myself back then on like, oh yeah, I was a good mom and I love my kids. And it was all about my kids. But because I wasn't happy, I yelled more. Like I had less patience. I expected my happiness to come more from my kids and my husband and my family because I was not happy at work. 
And so a lot of expectations. And so you can imagine when like your expectations weren't met or the vacation wasn't going the way that I expected it to, right? I I didn't have a lot of patience. I yelled. It was like, just, I, I look back and I'm like, wow, who I was then even as a mom, I'm so much more radically different now being happy and fulfilled, right? And so I knew, I knew it was hitting a point when my youngest was um, just a baby. I had just come back from maternity leave. And I said to my husband, something's got to change. I'm not happy. And he was like, well, what are we going to do? You know, we had this house, we had all this stuff. You, you get into this trap. And I remember I got on a flight to go from New York to Dallas I for work, 5 a.m. And I was reading a book and it was... Um, a book by uh, Jessica Heron, and she's the creator of um, the company called Stella and Dot. And she, her book was Find Your Extraordinary. And I remember I was on this flight and I'm flipping through it. This is back in, let's see, Kaysen's nine. So this is like eight years ago, eight years ago. And I'm reading the book and I'm highlighting. I had sticky notes everywhere. I think the person next to me was like, what is this woman doing? <laughs> I read the entire book, you know, in the four hour flight to, from New York to Dallas. And it hit me. It was like, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to start my own business because she was a mom of two. She um, worked for Dell, which was like a, a competitor to IBM um, and decided to let it all go and, and do her own thing. And I was like, if she can do it, why can't I? Like, why, why not me started to become, you know, that mantra? And that's why I'm a big fan of kind of talking about the stories and stuff, because I do think it's about hearing what's possible. That's everything. That's what helped me. Because then once I did, once I, I learned that there were other options available, I just consumed other women's stories of, you know, them leaving corporate and starting their own businesses and things like that. And so I just knew, I'm like, why not me? Like, I want to make this happen. So I remembered an accountant had said to us once, my husband and I, that it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much money you keep. And I just knew I needed to leave. And I had looked around for like some other opportunities and they were like making a third of what I was making at IBM. And I was like, if I'm gonna make a third of what I'm making at IBM, I'm gonna start my own business. Like like I'm gonna do my own thing. And so I came home from that trip and I sat my husband down and I said, listen, so it's time. I have to go do my own thing. I have to take a chance. And I think that the best way for us to start going down this road is if we sell the house. And he was like, what? <laughs> you know, three kids, I got this big, beautiful home. And it, when we think about society, Renee, it's like, I mean, I think things are shifting. I do. And podcasts like yours, I think are helping people to shift. But even five, six years ago, the idea that you would kind of go off the trajectory of going up and take an off ramp. I mean, it's like, you know, you get the apartment and then you get the smaller house and you get the bigger house and then everything's like more and more and more bigger, bigger, all, you know, for the idea to step away from that was very new. Like we had so many people are, is your wife crazy? Like, what are you guys doing? You know? And I said to my husband, I, 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 if we sell this house, we're going to have an opportunity for me to have a, a little bit more wiggle room to, you know, really go after doing my own thing. And he said, okay, let's do it. He was very, very supportive on, at that phase of like, let's do it. 
at that phase. <laughs> at that phase. We can talk more about what kind of what happened from there. But I had three kids to also talk to them about it. And the little guy, I mean, he doesn't know any different, but I had two kids that were like going into high school, you know, middle school and, you know, their friends and all the things. And we ended up only moving about two miles away. They didn't have to change schools or anything like that. I wanted as little disruption for them as possible because they were more established in their friendships and all that kind of stuff. And I made sure that their rooms were like the same size but we downsized. We went from like this, you know, 4,000 square foot home to like, like, I don't know, 2,300 square feet. Still decent home. I actually love the home we ended up buying more than I loved the other house. But we were able to reduce our, um, our mortgage and taxes by 60%, six zero. Huge, huge, huge savings. And that was the first big decision that helped me go down the path of actually leaving the high paying corporate salary to go and start my own business. It was like a big decision. Yeah, it is. That's so huge. And I love hearing that side of your story because that's, we've been downsized about seven years now and it was similar reasons where uh, I had started. um, My photography business was going great but it was taking all my weekends, lots of my nights, so much of my time. I was editing a lot. Um, and my husband felt that obligation. Like you said, once you start to accumulate the stuff, you have to keep up, you have to maintain it. And so he was feeling the weight of all of that. And so was I. And that's so funny. I love it. Cause I said, we have to sell the house. We should sell the house. Like it just creates so much opportunity if we do. Uh, so that's yes. absolutely amazing. And it, it makes me giggle that you say it first, because it was not an easy transition. I'm imagining it wasn't for you either. <laughs> it wasn't, but you know, what's interesting too. So I'm, I'm a lot older than you. And so it, like our, like even, even my generation, if I, if, if you will, or just the people that we were friends with, you know, all had older kids like ours. And so they all, at first they all thought we were crazy. Okay. Like thought we were crazy. Like you're selling this out. Like, why is that? Like, and then when they started to come to our new home and they saw that I was happier and doing what I wanted to do, everyone's like, all right, tell me how you did this. Like, and pe- it, like people saw it as a viable option, not as a failure option. I really do think that there is this like this societal norm that like, if you take that off ramp to you know, to, to maybe even take a salary cut or to, you know, have a smaller home or whatever it may be. It's not a failure. It's to me, it was an exit. I took an exit ramp off of this one trajectory I was on and I went on a different trajectory and it kind of caused us to like take a few steps back for a few couple of years to then be on a trajectory that we want to again. However, I will tell you, even though my business is very successful and financially we're doing the, the, the same that we were doing when I was at IBM now, what I choose to want to spend my money on, what's important, wildly different now. I'm not on that same, you know, kind of like felt like a rat race in a lot of ways. And it just forces you to kind of really rethink what's important. You know, what's really brings you and what I've realized is that freedom 
and fulfillment. Those two words, freedom and fulfillment, freedom, not working for someone else, fulfillment, doing meaningful work that gives me joy is worth more than anything material could ever be. And I always say, if even if I had to downsize again to make sure I could stay on the path that I'm on with my dad, I would do it, <laughs> you know, because I, once you get a taste of freedom and fulfillment, you never want to not be tasting that again, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's what I love finding more people who are normalizing it. That's so great. And so you're talking about the upward climb and it's so I can relate so deeply because a part of me had to shut out. I was always a big people pleaser, worried about what other people are thinking all the time. So I was like, oh my gosh, people are going to think we're like poor and we're struggling and we're broken. I don't want them to think that about me. Oh my gosh. And while it was, it truly was like a, a financial struggle to keep maintaining, there was that pressure and the stress. We could have easily afforded it. We could have continued, but I just didn't want to. So did you go through that battle? Cause you know, you, you're big on mindset. You talk about mindset. What did you do to overcome any of that? Or did you even have those thoughts? Initially? No. So initially I'm kind of like just my makeup. I'm like, once I've made a decision, I'm like, let's go. I don't care what anyone thinks, whatever. However, that's initial. And, and I go all in, but as I was mentioning where hubby and because I do that and because I have so much confidence in that, I bring every, I bring people with me. Right. So my husband had no problem in that initial stage. Like, yes, because he could feel how I was feeling about it. And the kids were like, okay, it's all going to be okay. But make no mistake, building a business is not easy. It is not easy. Right. And so I think that there was an expectation all of us had, myself, my husband, my kids, that, all right, yeah, cool. Mom's like vice president at IBM. Like, she's totally going to be like, no problem with this. Me too. Like, I'm going to like get this business off and running. We're just going to go right on the next path. Not what happened at all. <laughs> I really like to be transparent about that because it's not, it's not easy. And so for the first 18 months, after leaving corporate, it was a struggle. Now, the interesting thing is I never lost belief that it was going to be successful and I never let go of the dream of it either. Like there was like, there's no way I'm going back to work for someone else. Like I am going to build this. I don't care how long it's going to take. However, you know, I need to be also staying afloat financially and all of the things. And so what it became really, and I, I talk about this a lot. I talk about it on my own podcast. My clients all know this. It was probably what, like the hardest 18 months of my marriage because imagine you're trying to have the confidence, the belief, you try to figure it out, like uh, trying to make this thing work. And then the person that you're closest to going, so when is this going to work? Like, when are you, when are we going to start making the kind of money that you were making at IBM? Like what? And so it was like this, it was rough. It was rough. And it would get to the point where I, I started to not really even talk about how things were going in the business because I didn't want anything pop in my bubble, right? Like, I'm like, I got to, I got to maintain this level. And I will tell you, it was working with, with coaches. It was with coaches. It was working with having in masterminds with other women that helped me so much because I felt so alone 
even in my own home, try to build the business, you know, and it's no knock on him. I get it. He was like, what is happening? Like, when are we going to like start seeing the, the financial benefit of you being in this business? And then after that first 18 months, things really started to take off and it was amazing. And, and from there, you know, it's been, been great. But those 18 months, that's where, you know, the managing of my mind and who I needed to be and my biggest growth happened though, was in that 18 months. Like when I think about who Julie is now and who I like transformed into becoming from the time that I left IBM to the business starting to, you know, to really do well. I mean, I'm a wildly different person. You know, I had to grow. I had to like literally manage my mind, manage my thoughts, my feelings, the actions I was taking, develop the skill of persistence um, to be able to make the dream come true. And so while it was really hard, I, that's why I think I'm, I have a heart for helping women in business, especially those just starting, because I know what that feels like. And so I always believe that like, we go through what we go through so that we can help others that are in a very similar spot. It's like almost like we're helping a, a, a past version of ourselves. That's what I really feel like. And I, if I could go back, I would literally hug the version of me, you know, that was like, One that made the tough decision, two that was going through that really hard phase of building the business and feeling alone. It's like, it's, it's the hardest thing, you know, but that's where that growth comes through, which is so powerful. Yes. I love that so much. And I relate to that on such a deep level because, you know, I feel like you went in and you kind of had an idea, you know, you wanted to start something. And for me, I took a few years kind of going, what do I want to do? You know, I know it's not this. And I kind of took the time to figure it out. So the last few years have probably been similar to those 18 months of really committing, going all in. And my husband never asks. He never says, when's, you know, when's this going to take off? But I know it's there (laughs) just because he's not saying it. And like you said, I understand And part of me is like, I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know. Because I think there's this part of us that we're so used to the um, instant results. And I was just thinking about this. I'm like, you know, we see like movie montages and we see them do the work, but for like 60 seconds. (laughs) So we think like, oh, it's just quick. All I need is this one burst of motivation and I'm going to be there and I'm going to be done. But I love that you said that. So I would ask you, because you said so much mind mindset shifts happen for you. One of the things I hear from women a lot is that struggle with a partner or with a husband or wife or whatever, that if they don't agree with you, if they're not on board, if they don't see your vision, how do you keep going? Yeah, it's, that was one of the hardest parts for me. It, It was that, and it's what my biggest recommendation and everyone's got a different situation, right? So for some, it's maybe this unspoken tension for others. It could be that you're actually arguing about it, all the things. I think regardless of how it plays out, it's that you could even have someone that's super, super supportive, like no matter what, I think either way, any of those scenarios, it can feel very lonely when you're trying to do something like build a business or something you've never done before, because 
whether you're the most supportive partner or you're fighting about it, you're still the only one that's doing it. And there's so many, it's, it seems like it should be simple, but I will say that uh, most of the women that I work with, they're building businesses where they are the business. Like they have, they're selling themselves. It's their services, their coaching, their whatever it is, right? Versus like me trying to sell this phone case, right? Like when we're going to go sell a phone case, we're like, it's beautiful. It's, look, it has square edges. It's the, right? like, we could sell it all day long and market it. When it's us that we're having to market and sell and, you know, it's, you have to create, because you can have belief in a phone case, a belief in a product. You have to have belief in you. So while you're building this business that you've never done before, you're also trying to build belief in yourself. That you, and so even if you have the supportive partner or the partner you're arguing with, you're still with yourself in your own mind, like constantly. And so my big piece of advice Two, uh, my two big pieces of advice. We call it becoming her. So what we do is we say, okay, what's the result that you're trying to get to? And for me at the time, it was like, I really wanted my business to get to like making $10,000 a month. And if it could get to the $10,000 a month mark, I felt like I would be in like, almost like cruise control from there. Like, okay, like we're not in like this nosedive. We're not like, I, I could be, I could, I could build the business from there. Like I needed the evidence that I could create kind of consistent income at that level every month. And so I actually have this formula behind my head that I've created. And so that was the result that I was looking for, right? $10,000 months in my business. And then what I teach my clients, and it's something that I did first, right? Because I struggled with trying to get to that $10,000 a month mark. I mean, for 18 months, this is when it was really hard. And I heard on a podcast, this thing that changed everything. And this is where I, you know, really like everything started to change. It was that the wanting that result wasn't about what actions I was taking to get that result. It was who I was being. And I'm like, wait, what? Because I was trying all the things. So I was taking all the action, doing all the doing. But in this one podcast, I remember hearing it's about your identity. It's who you're being. It's the being doing the doing that's going to give you the result that you have. And when I really took a step back, it's like, wait a minute. I'm being Julie that does not have a $10,000 a month business right now. If I was going to be Julie that already had the $10,000 a month business, what would I be thinking and feeling? How would, what would I be like? Not what would I just do, but how would I feel? I'd feel amazing. I'd feel super confident. I'd feel like total belief in my business. I would be showing up consistently and persistent. I'd be on more podcasts. And like all the action kind of flowed from that as well. So it's this whole concept of like, what do you need to be? So when you look at the result you want, it's like, okay, who do I need to be? What's the version of me like that already has this accomplished? We call it the to-be list. So you kind of like write out the qualities, the characteristics. What are some of the thoughts you're thinking? What are some of the feelings you're feeling? How can you tap into that now? As if it's already done, you show up different. So that's the whole for me. It's who you be before what you do. Because I, I have seen, and I see it, I start with myself and I see it with so many women I, that I work with, they're jumping to the action. How, how do I do this? How do I get to this result? But there's, if they don't change who they are being, they cannot change the result. 
it's like it's it, it, it's inextricably linked. I believe in energy. I believe, especially when you're doing marketing and sales, who you be and your energy is everything. It speaks before the words come out. It, it's it's you can see it and feel it even in written copy. So the who you're being is everything. So that'd be my first piece of advice is to make sure that when you're like in those lows or you're not sure and all things, look at the result you want and then ask yourself, okay, who, if I was, if this was done, all done, wave the magic wand, it was done. How, what, what are some of the thoughts you have? What are some of the feelings you would have? Really let that flow. How can you tap into that now? That would be my, my first big one. And then the second, don't, don't be alone. There's no reason to be alone. Surround yourself with at least a few other people that are also building a business or doing something. Like just like if you were going to go run a marathon, you, you might go, be, get part of a group, you know, a, a marathon training group or whatever, right? Like the same thing with a business or a career or something you've never done before. I think we rely on our spouse or partner sometimes for the wrong things. Like if they've never built a business before or they've never done some of these things before, like it's almost a little unfair that they're going to be the support system. And I didn't know that. No one said that to me early on. And, and so I was expecting him to be a support structure for me in building a business, but he had never done that either. So I really started to lean into, you know, uh, whether I was in a mastermind or in some Facebook groups with other women. And I will tell you, that saved me because I can remember like this office I'm sitting in right now. This was a screened in porch. Like we bought this house. It was a screened in porch. You know, there was, it was not what it looks like right now. And literally right behind me was a couch in the screened in porch. And we had gotten into an argument. He actually left the house. He was upset. Cause like, I still, this is like near in that 18 month mark where it was like rough. And I was crying on that couch behind me. And it was, I remember it was dark. I didn't have a light on. It was nighttime. And I pulled up my phone and I went into the Facebook group that was part of the mastermind that I was in. And I literally was just like, help. I am crying. My husband's not supportive. And it was almost like I had these virtual women come and like put their arms underneath mine and lift me out. Like that, I have the chills even saying. This was like, this was uh, four year over four years ago. And I still remember that. Like it was just like, I, I needed that. And I would try to go to in-person events with women as well. Like at least once a quarter, I try to go to an in-person event, especially back then when I was building the business and whether I'd cry or I'd let it out or we'd like, you know, that support system is everything. Surround yourself with others that are doing the hard thing you're trying to do. It, it is huge. So Matt, who do you need to be? And then surround yourself with other people doing the same thing. Yeah, that's so amazing. And that's so, I want to backtrack just a little bit to number one, because I, I just recorded a podcast on this because I was really marinating in it this morning, but I feel like for so long, I knew I wanted to be a better version of myself, but instead of asking, how would she feel? How would she think? I did that because we've always heard dress for the role you want. So I would, it was like, oh, I'll get my nails done and I'll buy new clothes. And then I'm going to embody this person. And that's just, I do believe how we dress and how we present ourselves. Definitely. Part of it. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. 
but I'm like, but it's not all, but it's not it. And so I love that your focus of that is thinking her emotions, how she's feeling. Cause that's really where it is. And, you know, it's like attitude, right? Like your thoughts and your feelings. And that's why like in my formula, like it, you know, TNF, the thoughts and feelings are in the parentheses. And when you have a formula, what do you do? You focus on what's in the parentheses first, right? Your thoughts and feelings matter more than the actions that you're taking. And so the thoughts and the feelings, when you think of those two things combined, to me, thoughts plus feelings is mindset. Thoughts plus feelings is your attitude, right? Thoughts plus feelings is who you're being, right? Just who you're being, that energy. And so it's a great tool to kind of always be kind of checking in to say, okay, like when I was, when I was being certified as a, um, a life coach, should we call it a thought download? Like get out, what's, what are, what are the thoughts on loop up there? Like write them down, like being aware of your thoughts and your feelings is so powerful. And then if the goal was accomplished, the result was achieved, kind of doing that, ta- that, that inventory of what would the thoughts and feelings be then? You see the gap, right? So if you do your thoughts and feelings in your current state, and then you kind of download your thoughts and feelings in the, the result is done, you have what you desire, you will see the gap. It could be something like, well, i be disciplined and determined. And I know I'm not being that right now or whatever, right? Or I would feel so grateful and thankful that this was done. Okay. I'm not feeling that way right now. How can I start to feel more grateful and thankful on the journey there? Right. And so it just becomes a great tool to kind of diagnose yourself in terms of what is my dominant attitude? What are some of my dominant thoughts and feelings? They have a bigger impact than we can ever know on how we're showing up. Even if we're wearing the right stuff, but, you know, and, and embodying it, that the thoughts and feelings, they, people feel that before you ever speak. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. That's so amazing. I love, love that you share that. And absolutely the support group, the idea, I feel that so much um, because I tend to be one of those people. Yeah. I turn to my husband, but I also turn to my friends and love my friends, but some of them are in corporate and some of them are stay at home moms. And they're like, that sounds hard. (laughs) And you try to say, but I have to be my own cheerleader. Like you're saying, like, uh, currently like we've had back to back setbacks happen in our life. And so days like today, like this seems like a serendipitous talk that I get to have with you today, because today was one of those days where I'm like, okay, Renee, you've got to keep picking yourself up because it's just, it's just me here to motivate me. Um, so I love that you say group and like having that connection and that commitment and that support. Um, that's something I've noticed over the last year of even just, um, getting out of my house and going to like a coffee shop just because I feel like I need other humans around me. Um, but I would love for, because I know you've built amazing support systems for women who are doing this, which is so amazing. I think so many more women, I mean, you know, this, this is what I talk is I think so many women are trying to embody that look or dress the part rather than step into their power and what they're actually capable of. So for next steps, where can people look to you for support if they want to continue growing in their mindset and taking these big steps? Well, you know, the first thing I would say is something so simple that we don't do, especially as women, especially as moms, 
that I had the beautiful opportunity to work with Bob Proctor. Um, and he, I, I just love him. I miss him. I actually had the opportunity to actually go up and have dinner with him a few months before he passed. And I, I have a chill saying, he's just amazing man. And he would say something that it seems like the most simple thing in the world. It's four, it's a four word question, right? What do you want? Sit with that, write down, what do I want? And go quietly somewhere. It could be on a walk. It could be, you know, in the morning before anyone else gets up or after everyone goes to bed or whatever. And try, Bob would always say, relax, like relax the mind, however you need to relax yourself and really sit with that question. Not what do I, and he would always say, not what do I think I can have? Not what I think my spouse thinks that we should have. Not what my kids think. What do I want? And if I had done that, you know, years ago, and I I would know this, it would be that I have my own business and I'm not working for someone else. Like I knew that. I knew that for 20 something years, right? And so getting some clarity on what do you want? And we do this whole exercise where we just say, go, like, let it all out. Like, like do the different areas of your life. Like whether it's, you know, in relationship or where you live or your fitness or what you do in making money, how much money do you want? Do you, what do you, what do you, what do you want? Right. Really sitting with that, almost doing a bit of a, a reset and then pick something that's coming out of there that becomes the dominant thing. Like, again, I would have written a lot of things, but I would have said, I want to leave my corporate job and start my own business. Like that would have been the thing. And we call it the now goal. So it becomes this thing. And we do just how Bob used to do it. We write it on a a card. We have it on our three by five card. It's always with us. It's the one thing we're focusing on where if you think of like a magnifying glass, right? The sun goes everywhere. It doesn't do anything. But if it goes through a magnifying glass, you can start a fire. This is how you start the fire. This is how you start something big is that you focus all your attention in on it. We call it the now goal. It's the thing you're working on now, not someday. And I had the someday goal of leaving my corporate career for 20 years. And until it became a now goal that I was like all in on, nothing happened until then. So that, that to me, that would be like the first thing I would say, you can do that on your own. And, and if you want to hear more about how I share, like what to do from there and how to start managing your mind check out my podcast. It's called Ignite Her Mind. And the whole concept is how can we start to change our thinking, our feeling to get to the different results that we want, right? And it's all an inside job. So anything you end up writing down that you want, the only way to it is inside. That's it. There's nothing on the outside that is going to achieve those results for us. And so, you know, start listening to the podcast and if if something resonates from there, I do a lot of free workshops and things like that. You can always check out the website, juliecrd.com. That is so amazing. Well, thank you so much, Julie. I feel like I could just crawl through my computer and come chat with you for the next five hours, (laughs) probably get a hug, you know, uh, but this was so great. Um, and I'm so glad, um, we were able to just bring it together in the letting go to in order to get to where you want to go. And thank you for being so, you know, I, I'm a big fan of being transparent. I'm always transparent with my clients and my audience. And I lo- I totally feel that with you. And I love that you even said, oh, this, this talk was serendipitous. Like, 
that's, I just, I love real and transparent conversations. And it's like, you know, because the listeners need to hear that. It's like, you know what? We have these goals. We have these dreams. We're doing these things and we're human. Yeah. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I'm still a normal person. <laughs> human and going through the ups and the downs of so many different things and setbacks and, you know, quantum leaps and setbacks and all the things. So I just, I, I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing with your show. And I just want to thank you for having me on. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad you were able to join us. Hey again, thanks so much for hanging out with me today on the Unstuffed Podcast. It means so much that you chose to carve out some of your precious time just to hang out with me. If you aren't quite ready for our time to end, head to the show notes where you can grab my free declutter checklist, join my newsletter subscription, and connect with me on some of your favorite social platforms. Sending you so much love until next time.